You're listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. I'm Jeremy Dontremont, historian for the Society. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, award-winning volunteer and chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is June 18th, 2023, and this is episode 230 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll listen to a conversation about the Lake Erie Lighthouses of Pennsylvania. We're also going to hear an interview about a new group involved with the Chicago Harbor Lighthouse. First, Michelle, is there anything special about today's date? Well, of course, it's Father's Day. It comes on the third Sunday of June each year and celebrates the contribution that fathers and father figures make for their children's lives. The first time Father's Day was observed in this country was in 1910, and it was officially recognized as a holiday in 1972 by President Nixon. A woman named Sonora Smart Dodd had a lot to do with the establishment of Father's Day. Her father raised six children by himself after the death of their mother. Yes, happy Father's Day to everyone. In my case, it makes me think about my stepfather. Uh, He was a very positive influence on me, and his love of maritime history helped inspire my own interest. In fact, he actually wrote a book on the subject, uh, The Wind Blew When the Ship Flew, about clipper shipbuilding in Casco Bay in Maine. Yes, I was very close with my father. He passed away almost four years ago, so Father's Day is kind of a tough day for me still, but we do celebrate my husband and my father-in-law. Absolutely, yeah. Now I know uh, you're close to your father, so it's nice that you can uh, remember him uh, on a day like this. Yes, definitely. So let's introduce today's first interview. Sure, Jeremy. There are three lighthouses on the Lake Erie shore within the state of Pennsylvania. All three are near the city of Erie, and they are all now managed by the same organization. The first of the three Erie Land Lighthouse was erected to mark the entrance to Presque Isle Bay. It has the distinction of being the earliest commissioned light station on the American side of the Great Lakes. The present 49-foot tower was built in 1867 of Berea Sandstone. In 1858, Erie's North Pier was extended and a new iron light tower was installed, replacing a nearby wooden structure that had been destroyed when a schooner crashed into it. The pier was extended multiple times in the years that followed. The lighthouse that stands today has been in its present location since 1940. Presque Isle Lighthouse began service in 1873. The square brick tower was originally only 40 feet tall, but an additional 17 feet were added in 1896 to make the light visible at a greater distance. The attached dwelling had nine rooms and was home to lighthouse service keepers and their families until 1944. All three of these lighthouses are now managed by the Presque Isle Light Station, also known as Lake Erie Lights of Pennsylvania, a registered nonprofit corporation dedicated to preserving these historic structures, educating the community on their value, and interpreting them for future generations. Our guest today, Avery Shaughnessy Comfort, is the executive director of the Presque Isle Light Station. This is a special year for the organization, which plans to celebrate the 150th birthday of Presque Isle Lighthouse this summer. Let's listen to my conversation with Avery now. I'm speaking today with Avery Shaughnessy Comfort, who is the executive director of the Presque Isle Light Station in Pennsylvania. Thanks so much for joining me today, Avery. Thank you for having me. I look forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. So I have a two-part question for you. 
where are you from? And part two is have lighthouses kind of been on your radar for a long time or not? Oh, I love this question so much. Um, so the simple, easy part is uh, I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania originally. Um, I've lived in Erie about five years, but I've also spent um, a couple of years in Bangor, Maine, and I also spent a couple of years in Cooperstown, New York. So oh. moved around the Northeast quite a bit. My background is in museum studies, in history museum studies, and mostly in kind of the industrial era of history. So that's always been my bread and butter. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to lighthouses, people are always surprised when I tell them that, no, it hasn't always been on my radar, but it's something that, you know, my mom would take me to lighthouses as a kid. So one of my earliest memories was um, the Astatique Lighthouse in Virginia and all of the, you know, Fenwick Island and Delaware and, you know, anywhere there was a lighthouse, my mom would take me. And I never thought about it till years later, but it's kind of a local gem here. And it's really unique that Erie has three lighthouses. So when the opportunity came up to work at a historic site that was industry related, I just jumped on that. So mm -hmm. there's my brief history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You mentioned uh, you lived in Bangor, Maine and Cooperstown, New York. Those are two places that are pretty familiar to me. I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame a couple of times. Which of oh, yes, of Cooperstown course. Is known for, yeah, fantastic place. Uh, so you just kind of partly answered this uh, next question, but how did you come to be the executive director of the Presque Isle Light Station? So a uh, funny story. I actually interviewed for the job, I think it was about two years ago, and I didn't get it the first time. And I was so bummed. <laughs> I was um, interviewed and I was chatting with the board and I got really excited about it. And um they selected Emily Butler, and she was a fantastic executive director for about a year at the organization. Um, but when the time came when she received another opportunity, the board reached out to me again and asked if I was interested. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm incredibly interested. Let's let's uh, let's talk." So in uh, October of last year, I interviewed again for a second time. So I tell people, uh, not only did I have two interviews with the lighthouse, I had four. <laughs> So that's kind of a fun, unique fact and uh, got started in December. So I'm still only uh, pretty new. I'm only about six months in. Well, from my communications with you, you certainly seem uh, very knowledgeable so that I, I thought you were probably there for 10 or 20 years, but oh. obviously you're not old <laughs> enough for that. But No, I don't yeah. think so. Oh, I think, uh, <laughs> gosh, if I was there for 20 years, I would have only been 12 when I started. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to the uh, the history of these these places. Again, as you mentioned, there are three lighthouses uh, in the Presque Isle area, which is uh, kind of unusual and uh, you know very uh, tremendous history with these places. So we'll start with the uh, the Erie Land Lighthouse, which was the first lighthouse to be commissioned by the federal government on the Great Lakes. So it's very historic in that sense. Why was it such an important place uh, for a lighthouse there? This ties back to, you know, my interests too, but Erie really was um, kind of booming after the War of 1812. And we like to tell our visitors that come by the Erie Land Lighthouse that it was kind of the birthplace of the city as we know it. Erie Harbor was becoming more and more busy. Um, it was even noted as the most important harbor on the on Lake Erie at one point. So that there was a huge need for aids to navigation into Erie. So uh, if you've ever been to the Erie Land Lighthouse, you'll notice that's kind of up on a bluff just past the port of Erie, just past the harbor. So when you come in, you're going to see that lighthouse up on the bluff. Um, now, we'll get into why it wasn't as useful later on, um, but it really was that uh, marker. And there was no, at the time, there were no trees. The, the bluff was pretty clear. There wasn't as much 
housing. There weren't as many uh, docks. So it was very visible from the bluff when it was built. Um, but it was huge for bringing in coal or uh, wood supplies. It was major for the city of Erie being built in other cities as well, including like Pittsburgh and Cleveland and Buffalo um, for anything coming in and going further on to the Erie the extension canals and the railroads. So it really heralded in Erie's uh, industrial history. And uh, the lighthouse tower that stands today, the Erie Land Lighthouse, is not the original one. There have been three on that site. Okay, right. Uh, and the present one uh, was built of something called uh, Berea Sandstone. Is that yes. right? Uh, for people who don't know, and I'm including myself in that category, what, what is Berea Sandstone? Sure. So, I mean, some of our listeners will learn that what my other love other than history is rocks. So oh, okay. I'm going to sound a little bit like a like a nerd for a second. But um, sure. Berea Sandstone comes from Berea, Ohio. Um, so it is sort of local to Erie. Um, but the cool part about it is it's about 400 million years old. Um, whenever that part of Ohio and Pennsylvania was part of an inland sea. So um, if you look at our lighthouse, a cool fact about it is there's fossils all through the lighthouse. Oh, wow. Um, as you walk up the steps, there's fossils of coral and eye valves just strewn throughout. Um, so the fact that this entire lighthouse is built out of the sandstone um, is pretty cool because as you walk around the tower, you're finding fossils. And so it has uh, a bit of a longer history than 1867, if you want to be completely honest. <laughs> I guess so. Wow, that's really interesting. There's only one lighthouse I can remember that I visited that had fossils like that. It's the uh, Windmill Point Lighthouse on Lake Champlain of Vermont. Uh, the stairs have a lot of little fossils in them. I, I Pretty cool. Anyway. Yeah, Glad to know it, we're not the only one. Right, right. Well, it's the only other one I know of. Why was the Erie Land Lighthouse discontinued back in 1899? Sure. So actually, it was originally discontinued um, about nine years prior to that um, because they found it to be not as effective for the vessels that were coming across the lake. So we have uh, what's called the Presque Isle Peninsula, which mm -hmm. is a sand spit that arches out kind of like an arm. Uh, in the original uh, indigenous lore about the uh, formation of Presque Isle, it's supposed to be the left arm of the Great Spirit. Um, and I, I never say it correctly, and I apologize if I do say it incorrectly, Manito. So this sand spit um, obviously juts out a couple of miles into the lake, and the light from the Erie Land Lighthouse just did not reach far enough for those vessels. So there was a need for an additional lighthouse to be built on the peninsula, which is the current Presque Isle Lighthouse. Um, and that was built in 1873. So uh, by the time that was completed, just a few years after is when the Land Lighthouse was decommissioned the first time. But the local public had a bit of a fit and uh, requested that it be recommissioned. So it was for about nine years until it was decommissioned again when they argued again saying, you know, no, it's it's not very effective. We have the Presque Isle light station doing its job and we have the North Pier light doing its job. So mm -hmm. um, the light was officially shut off the day after Christmas in 1899. You just mentioned the uh, Presque Isle lighthouse. We'll get to that in a moment uh, being built in 1873. Let's talk about the, the pierhead light for a bit, the Presque Isle North pierhead lighthouse. The history is kind of convoluted, kind of complicated, hard to remember all the dates and everything, and it was moved and the pier was rebuilt or lengthened, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, when was the present lighthouse built? Yes. So uh, we just learned this bit of history not too long ago, um, which is kind of 
narrative changing. And it's funny that you say kind of convoluted because I think it's very convoluted. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> so it's not just um, me. <laughs> no, it's not just you. And, you know, we have people all the time that are wondering what is the real history? So the current North Pier light today, as we kind of colloquially call it, um, is actually a refurbished fog bell signal. So it, uh, the 1858 lighthouse was torn down in 1940. And then in 1940, they clad the fog bell signal in these steel plates. They painted them their characteristic of the white and the black. And then they took the top of the 1850s lighthouse off the railing and the lantern put it on top and then recommissioned it um, once it was completed. So it's been in its current state. So the fog bell signal is at the end of the pier. So the 1850 light was the further towards the Coast Guard station today, mm -hmm. but it's been in that current location since 1940. So like you said, it's been moved a couple of times. There's dates everywhere. The first uh, wooden iteration of the North Pier light was taken down by a boat. <laughs> so it's right, been quite right, a history. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was like schooner crashed into it, something like that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the present lighthouse is pretty unusual. I don't think there's any other one that looks like it. Is is there because of what you said? It's a converted uh, fog bell tower, basically. Yeah, so and we hear you know this uh, unique square square pyramidal design is what makes it so unique. So, mm -hmm. but it is Erie's most photographed of our three lighthouses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, maybe it's partly because of its unique appearance, but I understand uh, the North Pier headlight actually was used on a U.S. Uh, postage stamp not that long ago, right? A couple of years ago? Correct. So I think that was mm -hmm. 2021, and it was one of the last, I think it was one of the last pieces done by Howard Coslow. Yeah, I know about uh, Howard Coslow. I was actually involved with the, uh, the set of New England stamps based on his paintings about 10 years ago. So he was a great artist who did uh, not just lighthouse stamps, but many stamps for the Postal Service and just passed away uh, in the last few years. I think he was in his 90s, but he did a, a lot of great work. Back to the history of the pier had light. Was there a resident keeper there? Was there a keeper's house or how did that work? Yeah, there was actually probably the largest keeper's house of our three lighthouses in Erie. And uh, the pier head light had the most head keepers of any of our three lighthouses. They had 17 total. And they had quite a few assistants in there as well. So they had to manage the range lights and the North Pier for, gosh, 1830 all the way until now, essentially. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I wasn't sure because obviously there's no house on the pier. So they had a little bit of a walk to get to, yeah. to work. Yeah, unfortunately, guess. there was, um, and I've seen pictures, and, and it was this beautiful house. Unfortunately, it was demolished in, I want to say, 2015. Oh, that's too bad. Huh, yeah. So it hasn't been that long, huh? We have great um, pictures so, of it, but that's all we have. Oh, uh, what a shame. Well, at least you have the pictures. Uh, so let's move on and talk about the Presque Isle Lighthouse, established in 1873, as you mentioned earlier. So the Erie Land Lighthouse was still active at that time. And uh, the pier light, some form of the pier light, I think, was around by then, right? So why was the third lighthouse needed uh, in the such a, a close area? Sure. So that solved the problem of well, two problems. Um, part of it was the fact that the sand spit was coming out more and more every year. They were having to manage the sand movement. Um, so that created a need to have a signal that was further out into the lake for the vessels. So that is why Presque Isle Lighthouse was built. And that beacon went out, still goes out about 15 miles into Lake Erie. So let's talk just a little bit more about the, the human history of these places. As you mentioned, the pier headlight. 
as well as the other two had all had uh, keepers and families living at them. Are there any particular stories of uh, the people at these places that stand out for you? I think some of our unique ones include the fact that we had a female light keeper whenever her husband, James Miles, at the Erie Land Lighthouse passed away suddenly. That's an interesting fact. So Isabel Miles was a lighthouse keeper at the Erie Land Lighthouse. Um, Mm -hmm. One that we talk about a lot at Presque Isle with our visitors is um, Andrew Shaw, because for a couple of reasons, Andrew Shaw is the light keeper that was at Presque Isle between 1901 and 1927 um, with his wife. And they really enjoyed their isolation, (laughs) we'll say. Um, Presque Isle didn't have a road to the lighthouse until 1927, whenever Andrew Shaw decided, you know what, I'm not about all these visitors, I'm going to leave. But he was a fascinating guy. He loved his work. He loved living on the island, or not the island, I should say, almost an island. He loved it. And What I think is interesting is that him and one of the keepers from the pier headlight were in pretty frequent communication, but you don't see it a lot in their logs. But something that you will find is they actually had to fight wildfires together on Presque Isle. So they did. There's some evidence of both of them having to tackle um, fires on the peninsula for a period of time. So Mm -hmm. it's a unique way to tie in, you know, two of our sites together with the histories of two of our keepers from two completely different sites. Cool. I was just thinking, have you, well, you haven't been there that long, but have you or your predecessors had contact with descendants of the keepers of these places? We do. We have contact with a couple of descendants here in Erie. Um, mm-hmm. There are folks that um, the Huntingtons are related to the Huntingtons, which were the last set of keepers at the uh, Prescott Lighthouse, Frank Huntington. Family is still in the area. We have contact with them. They're coming to, they come to our events. Uh, We see them pretty frequently at the lighthouse. And not just keepers, but we also have uh, contact with some of the residents who, after the the, uh, keeper was no longer needed, the Presque Isle Lighthouse went to the um, state park. So we've had great relationships with some of our, we'll say stewards of our lighthouse um, over the Mm -hmm. last few years. So they're still here in Erie as well. And they have great stories too. One of the most popular ones is probably Loretta, who wrote a book on her experience in growing up in the Prescott Lighthouse. One of my favorite parts of her story is her pet raccoon, Inky, eating her pet turtle. No. <laughs> so huh. it's kind of a fun fact. So when you come visit Prescott Lighthouse, ask us about Inky and the turtle. Fun fact. Not so fun for the turtle. though. No, not really. <laughs> huh. Well, anyway, uh, you know, I thought of a question that I meant to ask earlier, going back to the, the eerie landlight. Why is it called the Erie Landlight? So fun fact, it um, almost every document uh, that you'll find about all three of our lighthouses, Presque Isle is in some form of the name there. So the uh, Erie Land Lighthouse is the old Presque Isle Lighthouse, um, which people can find confusing. And then the uh, North Pier Light at one time had Presque Isle in its name. And then obviously the Prescott Lighthouse is the Prescott Lighthouse today. So over the years, as you know, these lighthouses were being added and kind of changing in personality, I'll say, uh, locals took to calling the old Prescott Lighthouse the Erie Land Lighthouse since mm. it was on the mainland. And okay. um, if you visit it today, it's within a neighborhood. And almost everybody knows it as the Erie Land Lighthouse, but on almost no documents will you actually find it saying Erie Land mm-hmm. Lighthouse. So it's kind of a nickname, but we've stuck with it. It's also less confusing for marketing and 
you know, right. Then to call the, the word old, out about it. Yeah. If you call it the old Presque Isle lighthouse, people are going to get confused. Well, that yes. makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, so thank you for, for that explanation. So uh, let's uh, talk about your organization. How did the, uh, the Presque Isle light station, your organization, which I believe is also known as Lake Erie light, lights of Pennsylvania. Uh, how did it come to be? Sure. So it's a fairly young organization. It's been around since 2014. And I'm sure I got to give her a shout out. One of your listeners, Jackie Tamaro, <laughs> is, was really integral to mm-hmm. the founding of Presque Isle Light Station. Her and uh, a group of people really wanted to see it open because it was park ownership for quite a long time and it wasn't available or open to the public. Um, so she was integral to getting it open and uh, getting the public to get involved and be interested back in 2014. So it had its first season in 2015 and we had the Presque Isle Lighthouse and that was that was it for a couple of years. And then mm-hmm. in 2021, we worked with the Port Authority of Erie to have a lease for the Erie Land Lighthouse. So that's how we acquired the Erie Land Lighthouse. Um, and we are currently in the works of seeing if we can acquire the North Pier Light since it has been federally, I, and I hate the term, but it's the term, it's been federally disposed of. So we are working to acquire that and we are in the process of applying for that with the National Park Service. Right. Okay. So that's one of the lights that is currently up for transfer through the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act. That is correct. Which, yeah. Yeah. Actually, I think there's a record number of lighthouses up for transfer this year. There's several up for transfer at no cost, probably to nonprofits and several that are being auctioned to the public. There's like uh, at least eight or something altogether, which is kind of amazing. So good luck with that. I know it's kind of a complicated process, but you, I can't imagine that you won't get it. I, I think that's a got to be a shoe in. I would, I would think. Knock on uh, wood. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it's my understanding that the uh, Erie Landlight and Presque Isle Light are open to the public. Is the Pierhead Light open as well? No? It is not. It is not open mm-hmm. to the public. You can always walk up and access it anytime during park hours, dawn to dusk. Um, mm-hmm. It's a favorite spot for local fishermen. So okay. um, you can always go out to the outside of it, but I don't recommend anybody try to go inside of it. You can't, unfortunately. Not yet, right. at least. We'll yeah, say. but maybe someday down the road, if you get ownership and everything, that could could maybe happen. Our, our intention is, you know, we want to make the, all of our lighthouses accessible for as many people as we can and mm-hmm. as safe as we can for the history of the actual structure itself too. Um, yeah. So if that means we can make the North Pier accessible in some way, we will do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So with the Erie Land Lights and Presque Isle Lights, they are open to the public, right? In season, it's not all year, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, spring to fall. Uh, and uh, what is there for people to see there? Uh, you can start, uh, I guess, with the, the Erie Land Light. Is the, that tower is open for climbing, right? You can climb the tower, 69 steps um, up to the top deck. And I will say that it has probably the best view of both of our lighthouses, since you can see uh, the Port of Erie, you can see the harbor, you can see you can see the North Pier Light, actually, from the Erie Land Lighthouse. You can see Gull Point, but our grounds are also open as well. So while the Keeper's Cottage, which is on site, is not open to the public, um, we do have a beautiful little plot of land within this, you know, really cute neighborhood on Erie's east side. Um, And we're slowly becoming more of a um, kind of a community focal point on the east side as well. 
that's going to be our spot for a lot of events, uh, picnics, uh, anything community related. We're thinking about even having things like block parties, just ways to make that Land Lighthouse more accessible. It hasn't been open to the public for tours in quite some time. So we always see locals coming in saying like, oh, I've lived here all my life and I've, I've never been here and I want to go inside. And I'm like, you can go inside. So just having the tower itself open is really exciting for that community. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. That's always great with these places. We can get local people who've uh, never experienced them before. And Presque Isle Light is open as well. Duh. Yes. We also have the house, which you can mm -hmm. tour. We have a couple of exhib exhibits in the house that include anything from pictures to uh, we have a exhibition up this year about local shipwrecks. You can also walk the grounds on our site. We have an amazing gift shop, I will say. We have our oil house. We still do have our oil house, which is um, in great shape, actually. We have even a view of the beach. There's a trail that goes out to the beach, so you can get a really good beach view of the lighthouse. And then not to mention, it's, in, it's within the Presque Isle State Park. So not only are you visiting Presque Isle Lighthouse, but you're also visiting the state park, which is uh, Pennsylvania's most visited state park. Oh, okay, cool. It is a huge bird watching site, and you can mm -hmm. see some really cool birds from, from our lighthouse, actually. Huge for boating and kayaking, obviously out on Lake Erie. Uh, great for fishing, great for uh, hiking, great for biking. Uh, there's so much you can do on Presque Isle, and there's so much in Erie that you can do. It's a really unique way to enjoy a sand spit peninsula that sometimes you just don't always see or you can't always access. Plus the beaches. Oh my gosh, how can I not mention the beaches? <laughs> we huh. we have like 12 oh. beaches. <laughs> you just did mention them. <laughs> I did. Uh, you know, I've never been there. I feel uh, you're making me really want to get there and uh, cross these uh, lighthouses off my bucket list. Uh, so uh, this could happen, I hope, in the next uh, couple of years. I really. Oh my wanna, gosh! Absolutely. I Come really want to get there. Absolutely, I, I would love to. Uh, is this the with these two lighthouses, the Erie Land Light and the Presque Isle Lighthouse? Is this all self-guided? Are there guided tours available? So we have both. We you can do a self-guided experience if you would like. We do have an extended tour of the Presque Isle Lighthouse. We don't have one currently of the Land Lighthouse, but. I will say that Presque Isle is probably our more visited of the two just because we're within the state park. So we do have scheduled 45 minute tours that go more in depth about the life of the lightkeepers, um, a little bit more about our involvement with Presque Isle State Park and more about what you're seeing on the site, of course. Mm -hmm. At the Erie Land Lighthouse, I will say that although it is mostly self-guided, we have docents. We have an amazing crew of 100 volunteers that really care about the history of our lighthouses. And you go to the top and you're going to get a really cool history of the local area. You'll get a little bit more about the birth of, you know, kind of the city of Erie as we know it when you're at the Land Lighthouse. And you also get more time for conversation. So it's it's a little bit more of an intimate feel sometimes at the Land Lighthouse. But Prescott, you can get great experiences as well. So mm -hmm. we have something for everyone, which I really I'm really proud of. Yeah. Uh, and you have volunteers, right? Do volunteers help uh, run these places when they're open? Oh, my gosh, they're crucial. The organization was started by volunteers that just wanted to staff the houses and see them open. Um, but we still use them to this day. We have 100 of them and many of them we've had since since we've started in 2014. And they've seen the organization grow and expand over the years. And they're always very excited for the next thing. So if I leave with anything, it's that our volunteers are the lifeblood of our organization and they're amazing. Are you looking for more volunteers? Oh, always. 
I, I know it's, it's a never ending process. I understand. Is there information on that on your website? Yes, there's information on our website if you're interested in volunteering with us. What's the website? PrescottLighthouse.org. All oh, one easy. word. Okay. PrescottLighthouse.org. One thing I was looking at the website the other day and I saw, um, actually, I think it said it might not be available yet, but something about a self guided audio tour of the three lighthouses. Yes. So we are working on self-guided audio tours for all three of our sites. Currently, there is uh, one up on the website now. It is the Erie Land Lighthouse one. Um, The next to come will be the North Pier one. And then the Presque Isle one will culminate that series. And that was generously funded by a um, Erie's Yacht Club Foundation for us um, with a local radio personality narrating, too, which is super fun. Um, so you can watch that anytime on our website. There's no fee to access it. We do ask for donations if you would like to contribute to um, just help with the cost of everything that we do for programs and events and uh, keeping our lighthouses in great shape. Great. So speaking of programs and events, uh, in addition to uh, the lighthouses just being open on a regular basis, what what sort of uh, programs and events do you have? Sure. So I'll t- talk about a big one coming up uh, a little towards the end of what I'm going to mention. Uh, We have every first Tuesday of the month, we have Tower Tuesday at the Erie Land Lighthouse. And that's a chance for, you can visit the Land Lighthouse for free. And we see lots of locals get to experience and enjoy the lighthouse on those days. But we also have educational programs. So we have, uh, most recently, we did a uh, program about buoyancy and how wind will affect vessels that are coming into the harbor. We've done everything from talking about uh, plants because lightkeepers have their own gardens. So we've you know, planted seedlings. We've even done an egg drop off the tower, which has been super fun. So more to come there. So some of our other programs, we do Tuesday talks at Presque Isle Lighthouse. And that's usually like a local photographer that will talk about their work, just shooting pictures of the lighthouses on the peninsula to local birds. Uh, We'll also have a talk on our shipwrecks coming up. That's actually next week. And maybe some fun things here or there, maybe some local groups doing sea shanties. But then we also have some parties and some fundraising events going on, too. So Mm -hmm. our two big events this year, I should say, are one is our 150th birthday at the Presque Isle Light Station. So that will be July 12th, um, celebrating 150 years of the light being in service. That'll be just literal birthday party stuff. You know, we're going to have like Mm -hmm. hats and we're just going to have a good time with cake and snacks. And I just got confirmation that Jack Graham is going to be joining us, who has been on Uh your podcast. So he'll be there for the day being the local keeper for us, which will be really awesome. He's going to play the role of Clark McColl, one of our keepers. Okay. And then further on the season, we'll do our official fundraiser, Red, Blue and White, 150 Years at the Light on August 12th. And mm-hmm. we'll also do some ghost tours in October. So mark your calendars. Okay. Ghost tours are <laughs> at night, I imagine? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to do ghost tours, I believe, a couple of weekends in October uh, during the night. And we'll have like snacks, campfire, talks, and then, of course, ghost tours. We don't have to get deeply into this subject. but And you don't have to say anything more if you don't want to at this moment. But you probably know what I'm going to ask here. Why are there ghost tours? Does one or more of your lighthouses have ghost stories? Two of them do, for sure. Uh-huh. Both Presque Isle and the Erie Land Lighthouse have, uh, we we have confirmed ghost activity at both sites. Confirmed? Okay. Confirmed, Have you yes. personally confirmed any of that? <laughs> Honestly, on my first day, I'm pretty convinced something said hi there to me, behind me. So 
I'm pretty convinced, but <laughs> we have a local group called Erie Unknown that has actually done some formal investigations for us, and they're going to continue to do a few new ones in the next uh, couple of weeks. So we might have more uh, evidence to come. We've been told thumps, we've had lights flicker, we've had people here talking, people hear people walking, footsteps, um, cold spots, you name it. Mm -hmm. We've probably had it. <laughs> okay. You mentioned uh, hearing a voice uh, say hi there. That's super interesting to me because uh, my local lighthouse here on the New Hampshire Seacoast is Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse, and I've been there a million times in the past 20 years. And one time I was there giving a tour to a couple in the afternoon at the top of the stairs, the watch room at the top of the stairs. And I heard, hello, just like that. And yeah. the guy heard it. His wife didn't hear it, but he heard it distinctly, just like I did. We looked everywhere. There was nobody else around. So believe me, I have an open mind on these things. And um, I had asked my um, my gift shop manager, because she's been there um, since the beginning, I said, is this place haunted? And she goes, well, where were you in the house? So that right away, that tells me that, yes, there's something there. And I told her I was in the bedroom in the upstairs. And she goes, oh, oh yeah, that room's haunted. <laughs> so, of course. Uh, I had to ask her all about it. And she told me about the investigation. And we'll find sometimes that the bed sheets are a little bit ruffled in the morning or things are slightly moved. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I wasn't crazy. <laughs> I never thought you were, but uh, is there any particular story attached to that uh, background story or anything? Not that we know. All we all we think and all we have had um, some of our evidence show us from our investigators that we do believe it's the wife of one of the keepers. But that's it's it's the wife of one of the keepers, and then apparently there was some evidence that one of the keepers uh, was also caught in some of our evidence. Um, one of our investigators asked our gift shop manager at the time was one of your keepers really tall? And mm. yes, one of our keepers was over six feet. And uh, one of the investigators said, well, we're going to need you to come look at this. And they had one of those, I forget what the formal name of it is, but it, it's kind of like an Xbox Connect that pieces together what, what might formulate in the background that you can't see. So it caught a stick figure that was about six feet tall and it was upstairs in the bedroom. <laughs> so... Mm. We have at least two confirmed entities that we think are in the lighthouse with us at the Prescott Lighthouse, and then uh, possibly one at the Land Lighthouse, where we've also had thumps and footsteps and mm -hmm. um, cold spots. Yeah, very, very interesting. I know uh, from experience that, uh, you know, some people don't believe in this kind of thing, but regardless of how people feel about it, it's an it's another kind of window into history. It's another way of attracting people and getting them interested in the whole whole picture of these, uh, these places it absolutely is yeah it so is it's a, it's it's always, a hook. there's always a story right mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's a it's a good hook for a lot of people you, we mentioned the website earlier presquilelighthouse.org and there's information on volunteering there is there also information about he, how people can help out by donating or by getting a membership Yes, absolutely. There's multiple ways you can help. So there's information on our website about becoming a member. Um, that's probably the best way to support our lighthouses is with a recurring donation. And that also gets you access to all of our lighthouses to hang out, to do climbs at the Land Lighthouse and the Presque Isle Lighthouse and uh, special discounts on events as well. Mm. Um, but there's also ways that you can support through corporate donations, through um volunteering through our online gift shop. We have a wonderful gift shop. Deborah finds really amazing stuff. So please be sure to check that out too. 
I was checking that out. You do have an excellent online gift shop. So I know it's hard, uh, you know, with any organization like yours, um, you need great volunteers to do this stuff. And not, no one person like you can do everything. Uh, I'm sure you do a tremendous amount, but I think these, obviously these volunteers are a big part of it. They are. Uh, and we have a wonderful staff as well. We've mm-hmm. got, um, we've got six staff members right now and we have a very, a very supportive board. So we mm-hmm. are very lucky for the organization that we have. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, Jackie Tamaro earlier, who's uh, I think one of the kind of the founding mothers of your organization. Is that correct? That uh, correct. Yeah. She contacted me back in the early days of this podcast, like around four years ago, uh, suggesting that I do a an episode on on these lights. And we went back and forth, but so glad that you contacted me recently and we uh, we lined this up. So I hope Jackie hears this and uh, uh, thank you, so Jackie. <laughs> thank you, Jackie, for <laughs> helping to make this happen. So I have one final question for you for bonus points, okay? Oh, so, bonus points. Yep, so get your number two pencil sharpened. Uh, the question is, what has been your favorite thing about your association with the Lake uh, Erie Lights of Pennsylvania? Oh, my favorite thing. That's hard. Thing or things. It could be more than one. I mean, there's a couple of pieces of it. I'm, I really love anytime somebody comes to the lighthouse and they tell me, I've lived in Erie my whole life and I've never been in this lighthouse. I really enjoy seeing people appreciate and love their local history. And I love seeing people that realize that it is their history and history is for anyone. So we have made amazing strides, especially with the Erie Land Lighthouse in being very inclusive of everybody in the city and making them take ownership of the true gems that they have. And it's kind of ironic that we're called the gem city in Erie because we use that term a lot that we want people to appreciate their, not only appreciate their uh, historic gems like our lighthouses, but also to be involved in them. So when somebody comes to me and says, I've never been here, but here's my story about why I love this place or why I've always wanted to go in here. That's what keeps me motivated every day. And that's what I love to hear. And I want more people to be able to have those experiences with us. And I want people to be able to know that they can always come and be a part of this. So that is something that I find very endearing every single day. I will say that this whole process of uh, trying to acquire the North Pier Light has been uh, trying because it's a long process, but it has been very informative, very interesting. And it has, I've learned more in the last six months about historic preservation than I think I ever would have learned in a history course or in a preservation course. For my own self, just learning, it's been really, really interesting. But I think the thing I love the most is definitely seeing local people enjoy their, their spaces. That's great. Yeah, I completely understand what you're talking about. That's uh, that's wonderful. So Avery Shaughnessy Comfort, I, I really appreciate you spending this time with me and uh, we'll stay in touch and uh, good luck with the 150th anniversary this year that in July. That is so exciting. And there is information about that as well on the website. Is that right? Yes. And we'll have more information coming. And mm-hmm. um, before we leave, I have to share the one uh, thing that the keeper wrote in the book on the first day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, uh, this is the first day at this light station. We had one visitor and we are certainly hoping for more than one visitor on our 150th birthday. So I hope that people <laughs> come and join us on July 12th. I have a <laughs> feeling you'll you. have, yeah, I have a feeling you have way more than one visitor. I uh, hope so. Probably, probably uh, hundreds, I would imagine. Uh, so that's great. Good luck with that. And again, uh, thank you so much, Avery. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 
You can learn more about the Lake Erie Lights of Pennsylvania online at presqueislelighthouse.org. The site includes details about tours and memberships and also an online shop. Thanks again to Avery Shaughnessy Comfort for today's interview. We wish Avery and her organization all the best with the 150th anniversary celebration for Presque Isle Light Station this summer. We're now going to hear another short interview. This interview is conducted by our friend Ralph Krugler, who is the historian for the Hillsborough Inlet Lighthouse in Florida, and has also been doing great work for the U.S. Lighthouse Society on our research catalog, among other things. Michelle, please tell everyone about the subject of this interview. Sure, Jeremy. In the late 1800s, Chicago Harbor on Lake Michigan in Illinois had a greater average number of daily arrivals and departures than any other harbor in the United States. The 66-foot-tall cast-iron Chicago Harbor Lighthouse began service in 1893 to help guide shipping traffic in and out of the harbor. It was moved to its present position in 1917. Chicago Harbor Lighthouse was automated and de-staffed in 1979. In 2009, under the guidelines of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act, the property was transferred to the city of Chicago. The lighthouse has continued to deteriorate. There's been talk of it reverting to the federal government. A new organization has been formed to preserve the historic structure. Friends of Chicago Harbor Lighthouse plans to restore the lighthouse with a goal of public access. The group wants to utilize the lighthouse as a museum to tell the story of Chicago's maritime history and the broader history of the Great Lakes. Kurt Lynch is the president of the organization, and he also refers to himself as the chief dreamer. Kurt is a logistics engineer who has been a member of the Chicago boating community for more than 20 years. So let's listen to Ralph Krugler's conversation with Kurt Lynch now. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Ralph Krugler. I'm with the United States Lighthouse Society. And joining me today is Kurt Lynch with the uh, Friends of Chicago Lighthouse. And to me, this is very personal because this was the first lighthouse that I ever got to visit. So I'm very excited to see that there's a group out there who's getting this thing going. And a lot of people don't know about this yet outside of the city of Chicago. So I just want to invite uh, Kurt on here to, to talk a little bit about this. And first of all, happy Memorial Day, Kurt. Yes, well, happy Memorial Day, and thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to to have a conversation with you about the Chicago Harbor Lighthouse, and uh, we appreciate uh, the time you, you're taking to interview us today on uh, Memorial Day, a beautiful day in Chicago, for sure. Okay, so for people who aren't on your mailing list who don't really know the backstory yet, how did you get this whole thing going? How did you get the city to hand over the keys to the lighthouse? Well, right now, we haven't gotten the keys yet, but right now, we uh, just let me give you a little background about myself, and you can go... Uh, on savethelighthouse.org to learn all the, the details. Um, but we, we uh, uh, are boaters, my wife and I, uh, have been boating in Chicago for over 20 years on Lake Michigan. And uh, we've come past this lighthouse a couple hundred times, I can imagine. And throughout the years, we've seen this lighthouse just deteriorate in the, into its current condition. Uh, in January of 2022, I did a little research uh, to write a, a blog post for a Facebook group I have called Chicago Boaters. And in that research, I discovered that the city of Chicago took ownership of the lighthouse uh, through the uh, National Lighthouse Preservation Act, which as a boater, I had no idea even existed. Uh, I'm not a preservationist, I'm a boater, and, but I do love the Chicago Harbor Lighthouse. During the research, uh, I discovered that the city took ownership of the lighthouse in 2008, 2009. Uh, there were some commercial opportunities they thought they could get attra or attracted to the lighthouse. And there was even a development that shows a 
hotel being built with the lighthouse being incorporated into it on the break wall, which would be horrifying uh, if that were to happen. So uh, through my research, I was in contact with the National Park Service, who um, told me that in 2020, they had reached out to the city asking them to give them the lighthouse back because the lighthouse was um, continuing to deteriorate. No preservation was being done with it. And uh, if the city was not going to preserve it, national parks were, were going to go through the program again to be able to um, find a new ownership. New ownership, And if a suitable owner was not found, uh, they would go out to auction. Um, so that thought of this lighthouse, which is such an iconic structure uh, to the uh, like front of the city of Chicago, to go that to have that fall into private ownership um, was uh, very concerning to me. So um, I thought someone needed to do something about it. And I kept looking around and saying, okay, who's going to do something about this? And I said, um, it's got to be us. So well, I got a group of our boater friends together. We formed uh, Friends of Chicago Harbor Lighthouse uh, in March of 2022. Uh, we've gone through the process of incorporating and filing for our 501c3. We anticipated through our council it would take about 11 months to get our 501c3 uh, application approved. Uh, it took about two months to get approved, which I, I think just proves to us what we're trying to do is is a worthy cause. So in the process of doing all this, and I know you've been out to the lighthouse and your partners have been out there a few times. Have there been any surprises, whether it's structural on the, the tower itself or in the entire process of getting this thing going that have come up that you really didn't think about in advance? Well, I knew the uh, the process of to restore the lighthouse is going to be, you know, a, a very long process and very complicated. A lot of different stakeholders involved, uh, all of them government agencies and the complications involved in working through their intricacies. Um, so those kind of processes weren't surprising. Uh, we, you know, we know it's a difficult uh, process. The physical structure for me, I was surprised how solid it really is. These cast iron uh, structures are just, you know, hundred years old and, and you know, hundred it's, amazing how well they are structurally. I'm not an engineer, I'm not an architect, but I think we're all surprised that it is in really solid condition, but it does need a lot of TLC because it, if it continues to go down this path, um, we're, we're going to lose that lighthouse. So when you hopefully get ownership of it, what are your plans? Like, is there a proposed timeline? Is there short-term goals? Are there long-term goals? Are there people who will visit before the thing's officially done to start raising money? What are your plans? So initially, our goal is awareness. I mean, it, it's incredible. You know, one of the things I also was very incredibly surprised about in this process, and uh, not not having to do with the lighthouse, the structure at all. It's just how many people love the lighthouse. And in the same sense, how many people have no idea we have a lighthouse in Chicago? So our our, our biggest goal right now is uh, our strategy is awareness that there's a lighthouse and uh, and what needs to be done to it and the ownership process of it. And then um, we are looking to uh, gain control and the rights to from the city of Chicago so that the friends take ownership of the the lighthouse, and then we, we can then start the process of developing a strategic plan to gain access to the structure, to allow public access uh, in its current condition. Once it's safe to do so, we understand we have to uh, go through and remediate uh, asbestos and uh, lead-based paint in these old buildings to make it safe, but we want to put a proper dock in and be able to allow public access to give tours 
to show everyone the condition of the current condition is and what we think can be done to this lighthouse to make it the icon that it is for the city of Chicago. So will it be just uh, daily tours or going to be events that are held there? What are you, what are you thinking? So immediately, if we can get access to it and build a dock and make it safe for access, it would be, we would do events to give tours of the lighthouse uh, to, to generate interest for fundraising to start out with. And then um, we would, the goal would be in three phrases. Once we have uh, the rights, then we will then start to raise the funds to restore it. And I think people need to get out there to see it. There's no other view in the city like it, like that lighthouse from that lighthouse if you've been out there you you know um and me, very few people have been out there and that's an you know unfortunate the goal is this is an historic lighthouse it's in a incredibly the, the world-class city i think the great, greatest city in the, the world and we want to get people out there and share this lighthouse with them and share the maritime history and the the effect that this lighthouse has had on developing the city of chicago and the maritime uh history of chicago so how are you planning on getting people out to the lighthouse? I know you said you're all boaters. Are you planning on using private boats? Do you have a company that you're going to work with to get people out there safely? What's your plan for that? Right. The plan would be no recreational boaters on the lighthouse. <clears throat> it would be commercial boat only. And we would contract either with existing commercial operators in Chicago, or we would uh, develop a program ourselves. Um, two of us are licensed captains and uh, we have a relationship with all the commercial operators in Chicago. So we can, uh, the whole goal would be to make it as easy as possible, just like you could get to Navy Pier from uh, Queens Landing. It would just be like going to Queens Landing and getting to the lighthouse. So we want to make it as convenient as possible. And uh, there are several companies who are doing that already. And so we'd like to partnership with those folks. How can people help with either volunteer, sending financial donations, or just become a part of your group? Yeah, uh, go to savethelighthouse.org. Uh, that is our website. And register to help. Uh, register for our newsletter. We go to, we're doing our monthly newsletter. We started in April. Catch up on the newsletters from April, uh, May, and uh, we'll have June coming out soon. And uh, if you're so inclined to donate, uh, we are going to, uh, we're taking donations for administrative costs now. All of us are volunteers. None of us are making any money on this. No one, none of us expect to make any money. Uh, we all have full-time jobs and, and are doing well ourselves. So this is a, a, a love of the lighthouse that we're trying to, uh, we're passionate about it. And we're trying to re, uh, raise the funds to restore it and make this an icon for the city of Chicago and allow public access that brings children who rarely get access to the lakefront, who rarely get on a boat. And some may be for the first time ever in their lives from the, from underserved communities, underserved neighborhoods in the city of Chicago, you know, through the city of, through Chicago, partnering through Chicago Public Schools uh, or other community-based organizations, Chicago Public Libraries, that will allow us to bring kids down to teach them about the lakefront, boating, the waterfront, and maritime history, and what that lighthouse has meant to the city of Chicago. So that is our ultimate goal. And uh, we have dedicated people. We've had over 200 people in this short period of time since we've launched that have uh, signed up for our newsletter and are supporting our organization. And uh, it's uh, it's incredible to see the amount of support uh, from the lighthouse community and also uh, the historical community and the preservation uh, community. And uh, all of us are working together uh, together to make this happen. So I think we're going to get it done. I know we're going to get it done. It's going to take a little bit of time because it's a lot of work and it's a complicated process. Uh, but I know everyone involved from the city and from all the departments that are supporting this organization and supporting 
the lighthouse. Everyone wants to see this happen. So I think we're, we've got a good group of people and the city behind us. And I'm looking forward to making it happen and uh, ribbon cutting to be coming in the next two to five years, we think. And uh, uh, it's just, uh, I think it will be a great asset for the lakefront of Chicago. Absolutely. So August 7th is coming up. It's a uh, National Lighthouse Day, even though it's not nationally recognized officially as a holiday. Do you have any plans for that coming up just to get the awareness We're, out there? You know, that's the ironic thing. And I think I mentioned this to you, Ralph, last week. You know, been a boater in Chicago for 25 years and National Lighthouse Day, no one's ever heard of it in Chicago, you know, because we've done a terrible job. And we've had a great, we have, we have I think, the best, not to offend anybody. I think we have the best lighthouse in the world here at our doorstep. And, and uh, we are going to do something for August 7th. We're talking uh, with our communications team to put something together. But we will uh, we're talking to the city of Chicago to start to recognize that August 7th date because I think it's important uh, that people understand we have a lighthouse in the city of Chicago. It's a half a mile off of Navy Pier, a mile off of shore. And uh, we're going to get you out there to see it. So we're looking forward to that day. I appreciate all you're doing. Like you said, getting the kids out there. I was there. there, I was lucky enough to get out there in the 1970s and actually get inside there with a group and it blew me away and it started this love for me. So if you can get more kids in there, that'd be fantastic. So before we wrap this up, I just wanted to ask you, is there anything else you'd like to add to this? Uh, I just incredibly impressed with the amount of support we're getting from the lighthouse fans across the country. I and mean, we've, people have reached out to us. I, with photos, with stories, and we love that kind of stuff. We're, we're trying to document all that. Our goal is is to document all those stories, and so that we can, when we're ready to open, we can put those stories out there, and and everyone uh, knows the history behind the accurate history behind the the Chicago Harbor Lighthouse. So, uh, if you have anything, take a look at our website. Uh, you can contact us at uh, info at uh, savethelighthouse.org. And if you want to volunteer, feel feel free to sign up. Register to help. If you just want our newsletter, register to help. And you can re- register. You can make a donation right on our page to our GoFundMe page. So we appreciate all the support from the Lighthouse community on the, for the Chicago Harbor Lighthouse. Thank you. Awesome, Kurt. Thank you very much for spending this time this morning. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. You can learn more about the Friends of Chicago Harbor Lighthouse at savethelighthouse.org. You can also sign up to be on their mailing list. I photographed the Chicago Harbor Lighthouse a few years ago when I was in Chicago, obviously. Uh, It's a really beautiful structure and a jewel of that harbor. I wish the Friends all the best with the restoration, and I uh, hope to have Kurt Lynch back on this podcast to update us on the progress in the future. Many thanks to Kurt and to Ralph Krugler for that interview. Be sure to check out uslhs.org for information on everything the U.S. Lighthouse Society does, including the passport program, preservation grants, domestic and international tours, and much more. Remember that memberships and donations help support this podcast and all the Society's projects. At this point, uh, I want to play a a short promo I made uh, with the voice of U.S. Lighthouse Society President Mike Vogel. The sound clip you're about to hear is from an interview we had on this podcast a while back. So let's hear the promo. Lighthouses are icons. They're symbols. They're symbols of steadfast endurance. They're symbols of hope. Lighthouses simultaneously bid people go out and explore and bid them farewell, and they welcome them back to Safe Harbor at the same time. I'm convinced 
Sometime in the far future, there are going to be beacons out in space that do the same thing, send our spacefarers out and welcome them back. That's a function. And if there is magic any place on this planet, it's at the boundary, the edges, the place where water meets land. That's where the magic is, and that's where lighthouses stand. They're a visual touchstone for people who visit. And I think anybody who comes to visit a lighthouse, even if they don't think that through, they know that inside, they feel that. There's a video version of the promo on the U.S. Lighthouse Society's YouTube channel. Just search for USLHS on YouTube. And while you're there, please follow the channel. To everyone out there who works to preserve lighthouses or any kind of history, keep up the good work and thank you for all you do. We're all on the same team. We will be back with a new episode next week. For now, to all our regular listeners and to our new ones, thank you so much for listening and keep a good light. Shine, let it shine, let it shine